everybody how's it going it's your man damien back with another episode of dame's drawback thank you all for tuning in to the deron Payne debut piece i dropped on the 8th we're keeping the fire hot today as today i have another special guest via zoom today i'm joined by football analyst former analyst for post sports and the athletic a football mind that i admire a better writer than he gives himself credit for ladies and gentlemen mark bullock mark my man thank you for joining me today how are you feeling how's your day been how's everything going yeah, all good on my end. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I've, I've seen you're a busy man. I saw you were on a, another podcast yesterday. A lot of Washington football fans, man, they love your content, uh, and I'm one of them. So I'm very <laughs> excited to have you on, man, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, should be good. Yeah, so letting the listeners know real quick, we're just going to be talking a little bit about the Washington football team today. Um, before we get into that, you know, we're going to discuss Mark's passion for the game, uh, but we're just going to be talking about the football team today. We're going to talk, you know, free agency, NFL draft. Um, kind of our thoughts about the state of the team it's gonna be fun so sit back relax you know what I'm saying uh, y'all are in the presence of a very good football mind and I'm excited to just you know be, be along for the ride so let's get right into it uh, Mark I'm extremely excited to talk football with you I'm excited to hear your perspective on things that when especially when it comes to the football team uh, we're going to discuss the team in its entirety you know that from the state of the team to free and seeing some NFL draft talk before we get started with that I want to give the listeners some background info on you so they can meet the man quote behind the face mask if you will <laughs> Uh, before we get into the pigskin, let's talk about yourself a little bit. Uh, we all know that you're a football savant today, but I'd like to talk about your journey to this point. As a youth growing up, what sports did you play, and was football a common theme in your household? Uh, no, it wasn't really. Um, I, I, from the sound of my accent, you probably picked up I'm, I'm English, so I'm, I'm born in England. So uh, I, I did spend five years in the States when I was a kid, so I, I was around some U.S. sports. Um, my uh, my mom never allowed me to play uh, football because it was uh, too dangerous. Uh, certainly, I, I when I lived out there, I was between five and ten, so I was probably too young for it anyway. But um, I played more basketball as a kid, and then as I came back to to the UK, um, we um, I kind of fell more into the UK sports and played uh, soccer or our football um, uh, a lot as a kid and played some cricket. So. Um, I, I kind of grew up more around UK sports um, as a as a kid growing up. Um, but then, as I kind of got towards the end of my teens, um, the NFL started being shown on TV more and sort of started growing a lot more over here. Um, and, and I uh, got back into it from from that point on, really. Yeah, and so you know, you're from England, you know, UK. And I got a question, man. I'm a big wrestling fan. Uh, were you a British Bulldog fan growing up or, you know, did you ever watch like professional wrestling grow up, growing up? Or uh, not really? I did not know. Okay. No, but I didn't. Do you know who that is? Uh, I don't, unfortunately. No. no oh my goodness, dude. British Bulldog is like a huge UK legend in wrestling. You got to right. look him up after this. I promise you won't be disappointed. Okay. Uh, I will do. <laughs> but was there a specific thing or two that made you gravitate towards football growing up? And when did you realize you kind of had a passion for breaking down tape? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's. I've always been kind of a uh, a more relaxed viewer of sports. Like you have your passionate fans that uh, love to scream and shout at, at at the players and the referees and, and all that kind of thing. I was never like that. I always kind of sat back and and thought more about 
why is this thing happening? Why did that goal happen? Why did that touchdown happen? Um, and, and tried to look at the reason why behind everything. Um, and I found with sports like our soccer or our football, um, it's quite fast paced and an ongoing game. And, and you can look at it like that, but it, it's quite free flowing. Um, and it's not always easy. Whereas with NFL, um, it's a play by play basis. So, you know, there's a designed thing to happen on every single play. Um, and you can see why something happens. Um, oh, I, I saw that guard miss this block, or I saw that cornerback slipped as he tried to uh, turn and run with the receiver, that kind of thing. Like you can see why things happen a lot. It's a lot more obvious why things happen in, in the NFL. And, and it kind of lends itself to that kind of mindset and thinking a lot more. So um, that's kind of why I, I gravitated more towards the NFL um, and really got into studying football and the why behind each and every play. Yeah. And it's different because, you know, when soccer, soccer is, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth, but it's a constant kind of thing in yep. football. You know, you have a, you know, you have down set hut, you know what I mean? Everything is kind of, it's one by one, one, one piece by one piece, all 11 have to like really shift and be a collective unit. And that's why I like, it's interesting that you put it that way. And it's kind of, it is crazy, you know, especially now, like I'm, this is only my, my third season, um, at, you know, covering the Washington football team, but man, it, once you get into like the writing, breaking down tape aspect, like you get into that mental uh, state, it's just different. You view the game differently. Um, yep. And it's, 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 it's very enjoyable. Um, and I can, you know, one thing I can tell uh, from the moment I read your pieces is the attention to detail and the amount of work you put in from position to position. I understand it's different. But if you can give a rough estimate, how long does it take you to complete your breakdowns? And since becoming an analyst, has there been a, a player who shocked you after you look back at the tape, both, you know, positively or negatively? Um, you know, so for the first part of that, it, it, it can the time it takes to do a, a piece can can take or can be pretty varied. If it's a player that I'm familiar with, like at the moment, we're looking at free agents and draft stuff. So if it's a player that I watched in the draft a few years ago and is now a free agent like I, I will have some familiarity with them or if it's a player that um I I've seen a lot of and watched a lot of that team for this season for whatever reason um then it will be a lot quicker because I'll, I'll know kind of the skill set of the player and how they were used and um and it'll be a lot easier, quicker to sort of find what I'm looking for to demonstrate that kind of skill set and, and how he would fit. Um, with a player that I'm completely blind on, I, I, it takes a lot longer. You have to, uh, I always try to pick out probably four games to watch on each player that I write about. Um, if I, with college players, it can be a little bit diff difficult because you can't always get four games of film, but yeah. um, with, with certainly with NFL players, with game pass, you have access to, everything they've played so um i usually try to get four players uh, four games for a player some with the quarterback sometimes it's a little bit more but um with with most players i look, try to look at about four games um and um kind of take notes on what i see in certain situations and general skill set um like are they are they quick can they separate from man coverage are they more of a straight line speed guy or can they is it a cornerback that can turn and run or is he a guy that needs to sit in off coverage and use his vision to break on everything underneath 
um, and, and those kind of things. And, and then you can look at schematic things that um, they're used in, and see how that might translate to how they would play in Washington. So those ones can take a little bit longer and then they can take um, it's however long it takes to watch four games. And then, you know, uh, you got to record the clips and edit the, that all together and write up the piece. So um, it can, it can take a, a good, good, good while to do those yeah. longer pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, I know like, off, you know, when you hear it at first, some people are going to be like, Oh, four games, like that's it. But people don't understand like, dude, there's, there's, there's what 60, 70 plays every game. Yep. Offense is 35 plays. Do 35 times four, do the math on that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's essentially you're watching, you're watching three straight offensive games. You know what I mean? Just sitting down, like imagine sitting down on your couch from 12 and you're not done watching football all day for seven, eight hours, not looking at your phone, nothing like. Yeah. It can certainly be time consuming and it, <laughs> it's uh, it, it can be a bit of a, uh, a wrestle to get yourself to sit down and do it sometimes when it's entirely year or if it's a like if it's in the season and I'm, I'm watching back a game where they played particularly badly and you're watching the defense give up 20 touchdowns or something like that then it yeah it can be a bit of a struggle to to sit through it but you know it's it's still you're still watching football and uh yeah. doing that so it's not the worst time in the world yeah and before you know before we get into the state of the 2021 Washington football team uh, you know, the draft and more. If you could boil it down to one player, who has been your favorite tape study? Uh, there's been so many that are fun to watch. I, I think for me personally, I'll give you two. The, the, okay. the one that springs to mind immediately that I learned a lot of football about because of was RG3. Um, and, and how he influenced the, the way the Shanahan offense was adapted to him and, and how that influenced what is in the NFL now. Um, and, and the other one I was going to go with was Jordan Reed because he it was just so fun to watch um, and his talents were rare and obviously the injuries sucked, but the, when he was on the field and he's healthy, the quickness that he had, the ability to, sh the, the little crossover thing where he would stem up a guy and, and cross over to get in or out on a choice route. Like yeah. the, that movement that he has, I, I don't know if I've seen anyone have that same ability. Um, certainly not to that extent. So um, that was something that, was a lot of fun to watch. And from, again, from a kind of broader perspective, because he was a tight end and the kind of matchups you could get from his receiving ability at, from the tight end position, um, that was something that also helped me learn a lot about football, about how you might isolate a tight end um, to one side of the field on, a, on the backside of a trip set. And, and that forces a defense to show a coverage and give the quarterback information and, um, or how you might set up a tight end in a stack set. They quite often use Deshaun Jackson stacked behind Jordan Reed to give Deshaun Jackson a free release off the line. And, and those kind of little details that you learn a lot about how a tight end can be very central to how an offense runs in the modern, in the modern NFL. So um, that I learned a lot from, but just purely from a talent standpoint, Reed was phenomenal and, and was a lot of fun to watch as well. And you're, yeah, you're telling me that that short area quickness, like the, the impressive burst, like the fluidity, fluidity of his hips and the, the you know, the lower body that yep. dude was unreal. And like you said, him getting a guy like Deshaun Jackson, a free release right off the line, 
that you're, you're talking about one of the greatest deep threats of all time. One of the really greatest, like intermediate to deep threat, you know, and, and even then with a guy like Deshaun, you can just feed him early, feed him, just feed him the ball. He's so quick, uh, especially yeah. behind, you know, in front, uh, behind a guy like Jordan Reed, man, it just, it's easy. It's easy pickings for an offense, but for me, I definitely would say, um, you know, it's only my second NFL draft. This is going to be my third season covering uh, the Washington football team for Rigos Rag. I've grew up a lifelong fan, but I wasn't, you know, really doing what I'm doing now. Um, I've always loved him, but it's different now. And I'd have to say, you know, my two my two personal favorites, uh, Terry McLaurin, just he, he's 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 awesome. He's awesome yep. to watch. Uh, and my other one is actually LaVisca Chenault from uh, the Jaguars. Uh, okay. I, I, I looked him up a lot in college. I was really impressed with the, while he's not, um, how should I say this? Like Terry McLaurin is very, you know, he's fast, quick, agile. Uh, LaVisca is also that, but he's not fast and, and, and twitchy and quick in his lower half, like a guy like Odell Beckham, but he's still very, very solid route runner. I felt uh, very versatile and seeing that versatility, him being a dynamic weapon in an offense. I enjoyed watching that a lot. So I'm new to the game, but I'm a big, I'm a big LaVisca guy. Uh, I will say, let's talk about the state of the Washington football team. Uh, let's move on. And I, I'm excited. Uh, 2021 is going to be a big year for Washington. I feel, uh, I believe their approach and execution of this off season must be as precise and efficient as possible, both, you know, cap spending uh, and as well as, you know, who they pick. Uh, they have plenty of money and some holes that must be filled if this team wants to be much, a much improved group in 2021. But looking back at this, at last season, what was the biggest surprise for you and what was the biggest disappointment? Um, I would say the biggest surprise is that they, there was a couple. I was, I was surprised they moved on from Haskins so early in the season, but then you hear the story behind it wasn't necessarily to do with his play on the field as much as his work ethic and, and stuff behind the scenes. So you understand that a little bit more. Um, I, I think that would probably be the biggest disappointment is that Haskins didn't pan out or didn't really give himself a shot to pan out. Um, and that obviously when you spend a first round pick on a quarterback and, and that flames out after two years, like you're, you're set, setting the, the franchise back a little bit. Um, the biggest surprise for me was probably how well the defense held up over the course of the year and, and how it improved. I expected the defensive front to play really well. Um, and they did, uh, but I, I didn't think the secondary Bar Kendall Fuller would probably hold up as well as it did. Um, and you saw a lot of those guys like uh, Cam Curl came on and played fantastically. Um, and, oh, yeah. Yeah, Ronald Darby played pretty well. Um, and you saw guys step up and and fill some roles and and, and claim some, some, some reps. So um, I think that was the biggest surprise for me in terms of a positive, and I think the biggest disappointment. I, I don't, I don't see how you can't be disappointed with, you know, the a first round pick on a quarterback ended up being cut midway through the season. Yeah, and I, I remember, you know, right in the middle of the the Haskins benching and everything like that. Um, I was actually in your mentions. We had like a, a quick little back and forth because I asked. I was like, hey, I I wasn't very familiar with Dwayne, uh, twenty nineteen. I didn't do the amount of homework I'm doing now you know, were some of these footwork issues and stuff like that, you know, evident. And you said you were like, yeah, you were like, they, they were, you know, but now it wasn't not only the play on the field, but the stuff, you know, in the locker room and off the field, 
that issue that's yet yeah, and I agree you know that is that was a huge disappointment especially you know he's voted as a captain uh, and so you're thinking like hey this is a new and improved kind of guy and you know it's unfortunate it didn't work out you know what I mean yeah um, and for on the defensive part I, I agree 100 uh, percent defensive line was great and I actually spoke to Deron Payne I interviewed him last week and uh, he told me too like I, I asked him I was like hey this wasn't the you know the the defense we saw in you know weeks seven eight you know to the end of the year wasn't what we saw the initial weeks you know they were you know a lot of high scoring games you know giving up points you know besides the Eagles game you know mm. Cleveland and Arizona uh, Baltimore you know even the Rams you know it wasn't really that it wasn't this defense that we saw now and he was telling me like man everyone we just all kind of bought in essentially and uh, that's when stuff started changing you know like everyone you know they, they always felt like they were right there and it just took it just took some momentum to kind of uh, push them over the hump uh, especially after starting one in five uh, yeah they um they definitely came on well at, at the second half of the season and you could see the difference that the likes of Payne and Allen um as you said buying in that they they kind of adjusted more to what they were being asked to do they've been two gap defenders for most of their career um yep. certainly at Alabama and in the pros as well um and then then this year they've been asked to do one more one gapping stuff and that takes some adjustment when your whole life you've been doing uh, certain techniques a certain way and you're suddenly changing something um quite as drastic as that so uh, i think we saw them improve as they adjusted to that and and hopefully they can uh, take another step forward this year yeah and that's it's interesting too it's remarkable that it only took them you know in reality it took them five weeks to figure it out you know imagine you know someone like me I write, I write uh, for two, for three different websites, but two of them, I write two different writing styles and it's tough for me to adjust. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mess up, you know, and, and I've been doing this, you know, I started with them last year and I still kind of mess up, man, you know, they only took them five weeks and a stamp of a finger five weeks later, you know, they are completely different players producing <laughs> at a higher level, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we talked a little bit about Dwayne. Uh, let's kind of talk a little bit more about the quarterback position. The football team doesn't have the quarterback of the future on the roster, uh, but there's some reason for hope. They have some draft capital, uh, just, you know, their own, nothing out of the ordinary, but they do have their own draft capital. They have cap space. Uh, if you were Mayhew and Herney, how would you attack their quarterback issues this offseason? Well, I, I think I probably would play it pretty similar to how they have. I, I would have been in on Stafford, um, and I, I, I would have had a price that I would have been willing to pay, and it wouldn't have been anywhere near what the Rams end up giving up. Um, and, and so th- that was kind of the end of that situation. Um, I, I would have inquired about just about everyone out there just to see what the prices are on, on people. And it seems like the prices are too high or the, uh, they're waiting for a guy like Mariota to perhaps be cut. Um, I think that's someone that I would probably look to pursue um, if he does get cut um, or, or potentially a, a Sam Darnold if the, if the price is right. But the issue with Darnold is you have the fifth year option that you have to pick up by the end of May and if you don't then you're essentially trading possibly as much as a second round pick plus something um, for a guy that you're only going to have for one year or you have to pick up that option and suddenly you're locked in for two years and his option is something like 15 to 20 million dollars for that second year so um, you're locked in to, to Donald for two years when this time next year you might not want him at all so um, it's that that was a tough one the costs doesn't quite measure up for Donald um, unless the, unless you're looking at like a third round pick or something like that. Um, So for me, I think 
Mariota um, would probably be the guy I'd be targeting if the Raiders end up cutting him. Um, I, personally, I'd probably be willing to give a, a late round pick and, and take on that contract with the escalators and maybe see if you can do something to renegotiate that and, and spread that hit out for a year or two um, and, and bring that cap space back into something more reasonable for, for someone that has some work to do to bounce back. But I think that's probably the direction I'd go. And if he ends up signing elsewhere, then uh, you'd probably look to sign a veteran. Um, I, I don't think where they're sitting at 19, they'd be able to get in the range of, of anyone they like um, in the draft. Uh, perhaps they would. Um, and, and they perhaps some, perhaps they like a, a Max Jones or, or a Trey Lance and, and those guys fall into the kind of eight to 12 range and, and they think right we can get up from 19 for here for not too much and, and we'll go get them um and, and if that's the case then that's fine I, I don't mind teams being aggressive for a quarterback that they they really like um but I, I don't want them to just sit and take the best quarterback available if they don't believe in that guy yeah 100 percent. and me personally i've been you know, when I first heard some news, like when I, you know, everyone, the rumors are crazy right now, but when I first saw like, oh, Washington's inter- interested in Mariota, uh, I said like day three pick, if it's, you know, five, six, seven, I would, you know, I, I that's fine. I, I, you know, I guess he's not going to be a, a future answer, but for a one-year bridge or, you know, two-year option, that's fine. Um, Sam Darnold, I've been much more skeptical about. Uh, feel free to tell me, for lack of a better word, that I'm dumb. Yeah, I don't care, but <laughs> I've... Uh, I've said, you know, John, I'm, I'm new to the analytics world. I'm new to the EPA uh, completion percentage over expected. You know, I'm, I'm new to all that. Uh, but I am starting to kind of lean on it a little bit at times. Uh, and Donald's kind of every year, you know, played at a level of one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not really a big believer in him right now. And especially with that fifth year option, like you mentioned, that it's, it's really tough. I'd much rather just take the swing on Mariota at this point. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on that. I, like, I, I do see something in Darnold. I, I understand the performances have been bad, and um, they have been. Um, and he, he has made some really bad decisions, and, and there's some interceptions that have a repetitive pattern to them that are all kind of similar. And that is worrying um, that a guy can't correct his mistakes. But he does have something about him, um, and... The, the thing I've been saying all offseason with, with Darnold is when he came out in the draft, it was kind of everyone said he had this it factor about him and, and they couldn't really say what exactly that was. But uh, the way I've seen it when I when I watched him this offseason was on sort of in key moments in on third down, in the red zone, in two-minute drills and that kind of thing, he has his that's when he plays his best football. Um, and so in those key situations, those values so are, are so much more important than um, just your average first and second down play halfway through the second quarter. Like it, it, it's so much more important in two minute or in the red zone or in the fourth quarter or on third down, like those are the four key situations. And, and in those situations, he, he played better. Um, yeah. So there's there's something about him for me, but the the cost I think doesn't quite add up to what would be a, a quite a risky option. 
Yeah, and I think it would be easier for someone like me to to stomach if they traded him or they traded for him rather where for that, you know, Mariota price tag of like a fifth or a sixth. You know what I mean? Because sure. at yeah. that point, at that point, it's kind of like, hey, I, I know Cam Curl was a great, you know, pick and he's played well. You know, he was a seventh round pick, though. You know what I mean? How yep. many Cam Curls are you going to get in, the, in day three of the draft? You know, for sure. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll move off the topic of quarterbacks for now. Uh, the quarterback woes have been evident since the departure of Kirk Cousins. Uh, but outside of that, there's still weaknesses on the roster. What position group do you feel needs to improve most this offseason if Washington wants to build off of their NFC East momentum? Um, so I, I think obviously the the attention will be more on offense than defense. Um, the the defense does have some holes at, at free safety and linebacker, but um, you figure that those can be compensated for by the, the defensive front that they've got. Um, I, for me, I go sort of back and forth between a, a left tackle or a receiving weapon of some kind. And I, I say that you, you can kind of interchange a receiving tight end or a number two wide receiver um, because in this offense, they can be kind of interchangeable and you can go with a two tight end set and, and with what they have at running back, you can go with two tight ends and two backs um, like McKissick, Gibson, uh, a Logan Thomas, and say a, a Hunter Henry or a Johnny Smith as your second tight end. Um, and then you only need the one receiver in Terry McLaurin, and you've got a good few weapons on the field. So um, you could go with a tight end, or you could get you know a, another receiver to go opposite McLaurin. That would work as well. But I, I think getting another weapon on the offense is going to make things a, a, a lot better um they, they got some decent play out of left tackle um out of Cornelius Lucas last year but I, I don't think he's a long-term option I, I don't think I'd want him starting 16 games um I, I think I'd rather get someone else in for that and, and possibly that might be where you go in the in the draft at 19 um but I, I think finding a top left tackle in free agency, unless they want to go back and re-sign Trent Williams, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so um, I, I think it was certainly in free agency that they'd probably be look, looking more along the kind of weapons um, than at sort of left tackles. Yeah. And, and I mean, right now, a lot of, a lot of Washington fans, they've given me a little bit because uh, I said at 19 of Christian Darius, I was there from Virginia tech. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going. Uh, some yeah. people, some people were like, "Oh, uh, you know, Sadiq Charles and everything like that." And I understand that, but Darisol is already an elite. Uh, I feel an elite run blocking left tackle. Uh, I, I think the pass protection needs a little bit of work, but all in all, I think he's very, very solid, and that's someone that I'm, you know, left tackle. It's one of what. Well, if you hypothetically, in my opinion, I think it's the probably the third most important position in in all of football, probably in my opinion. Uh, I don't know where you stand on that, but I know it's it's a very very important position to have locked down. Uh, yeah, it's sure. it's it's certainly up there. Um, the, the kind of the typical thing to say is obviously quarterbacks are most important, and then you need someone to protect the quarterback, the left tackle. You need someone to catch the passes. You need someone to rush the quarterback, and you need someone to defend the passes. So, yeah, you're looking at quarterback, receiver, yeah. left tackle corner and pass rusher in some kind of form uh, however you order those is kind of a personal thing but yeah it's <laughs> yeah. certainly up there yeah and, and you know given the fact that washington's coming off a division title they had a stellar 2020 draft they hired guys like mayhew and herney do you feel like washington is now heading in the right direction going into the season 
yeah, well, I, I think so. Um, they, they certainly have a lot of good young talent on the roster um, and uh, they, a good offseason could improve that and kind of solidify them being uh, uh, going from a kind of young team to uh, an improving decent team that needs a quarterback to put them over the top. Um, and so I think they are going in the right, right direction. Um, I, I'm perhaps a little more skeptical of the guys that they've hired, the, the kind of brain trust that they've got now with Herney and Mayhew and um, all of the different Panthers guys and, and what have you. I'm perhaps a little bit skeptical about all of those names kind of um, being in the building and, and possibly having too many cooks kind of spoil it. So, but uh, I think it's certainly in the right direction, it's certainly a better direction than what this franchise has been for the last 20 years. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely made a, a we're definitely in a step in the right direction coming from, I mean, we're just 2019 to 2020, you know, sure. I mean? for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, ultimately all, all of this, you know, unless they get, you know, they find some sort of answer at quarterback, they're going to be in a boat they're in right now in the same boat they were in last season. You know what I mean? So yep. obviously I think we, me and you both can agree, like finding that better option under center is going to be, that's priority number one above all, above probably any and everything else. I would assume, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Quarterbacks always your top priority. And, and sometimes you just don't have the ability to find that guy. And uh, at, when you're in that situation, you'd rather that they, take the approach that they have done or seem to have done so far this off season, which is don't force it with the guy and, and, and overvalue uh, an average quarterback and say, this is our guy um, because you need one. I'd rather than be more patient because they do have time to be a little bit more patient and, and perhaps take this year to build up the roster and, and make it um, more of a complete and well-rounded roster so that when you get your guy possibly next year, then you're, instantly ready to compete yeah 100 percent. and we can kind of start now that we're you know right now we're recording it's march 11th 2021 uh i believe next wednesday is when free agency opens up so yep. let's kind of talk a little bit about free agency um i believe washington has finally found some sort of consistency and competence structurally uh now with you know 50 million in cap space it's time to fill some holes on the roster let's talk about you know the wideouts, some tight ends uh like we were talking a little bit about earlier I've seen you done breakdowns on Allen Robinson, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I heard you mention that earlier. I, I, I winked. I don't know if you caught that, but I, I know <laughs> I saw you do that. I saw you do that breakdown recently. Uh, which of these four do you believe should be priority number one for Washington and why? You know, obviously uh, Robinson's tagged, but um, sure. hypothetically, if they, you know, rescinded the tag or something like that, uh, who do you yeah. believe is priority number one? So I, I think you could go – I think a lot of people have been going in the direction of, well, they were willing to spend a lot of money on Amari Cooper last year. Um, so they're willing to spend a lot of money at receiver. And I, I think that that's probably true to an extent, but it's for the right guy. And Cooper was such a well-rounded receiver, or is such a well-rounded receiver that um, he could fit in a lot of offenses. He can win a lot of different ways with his, he's obviously a fantastic athlete. He has great speed and quickness. Um, He's got good size, uh, but he's also a very technical receiver with very good route running, can release off the line of scrimmage and that kind of thing. So he was such a well-rounded receiver that he could fit and win in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's why they wanted to spend the money on him. Um, I, I could see an Allen Robinson type being attractive to them, but Robinson doesn't offer the speed. He's not quite as well-rounded as a Cooper. 
um, and he's more of a pure X receiver, which is a, a really, he's a fantastic receiver. I love Alan Robinson, but they already have McLaurin is kind of an X. Um, and so they're both good enough to make it work. McLaurin can play Z. Robinson can shift inside to the slot because he has done that a lot. Um, McLaurin can do that as well. So they're, they're both good enough to make it work. Um, but I don't know if you necessarily want to spend the amount it would take to get someone like Alan Robinson. Uh, we were talking like 20 million a year. I don't know if you want to do that on a guy that you're not necessarily sure fits um, perfectly. Um, so for me, I, I would probably look more towards um, getting a tight end like a, a Hunter Henry or a Johnu Smith um, and, and probably spending my a little bit less money there um, and being able to fill more holes than necessarily taking the huge swing at a sort of, 17 18 even 20 million dollar receiver um i'd probably look more in the 10 to 12 million range for a tight end that's a really good one and use the extra roughly 10 to 8 million on some something else yeah and and last year i saw earlier um on twitter but last year you know they they didn't sign austin hooper i think in hindsight we can kind of take a deep breath and say that was good that's probably a good good idea you know what i mean that they didn't you know, not necessarily because he's not a good player, but because that was a lot of money for a guy who doesn't move the needle much. And a guy like Logan Thomas was pretty effective in his role, especially as the team started rolling, his play improved as well. Uh, I agree with you for, you know, the most part, especially like with a guy like Hunter Henry, John Smith, I agree 100%. Allen Robinson, the only thing like on face value, when I say it, I don't, I don't believe the right way to build this team right now with where they're at is, especially with the, how deep the 2021, 2021 receiver class is, uh, in my opinion, yeah. is spending $20 million on a wideout. Uh, when you have a guy like Terry McLaurin, who it, it's up to – it's subjective. It's whatever people think. But w- do you believe Terry McLaurin is better than Allen Robinson? It's kind of, you know, whatever you think. But McLaurin's going to be up for an extension, uh, not this season, but after this year. 2023, he's a he's an understricted free agent. You're going to have to pay Terry. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm sure Robinson's not looking for a two- or three-year deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I sure. broke I broke down the numbers on my Twitter and, I, and you know kind of the same age range where other guys sign deals and it's going to be a lot of money. Um, I will say Richard Sherman's kind of swaying me a little bit because he's been talking more and more <laughs> and he said you know hey you get a guy next to Terry McLaurin y'all are really going to see how good he is. Well I I, I trust I, I believe him. It's just that man if only it was that easy you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I agree with you for sure especially Hunter Henry Johnny Smith uh, I believe those are great you know, targets as well. Um, we talked a little bit about quarterbacks earlier, uh, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, let's talk a little, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is an option. Cam Newton's an option. Uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, these are the quote, the cream of the crop when it becomes, when it comes to like known available quarterback tar- targets this offseason. I just want to know who do you believe is, I, I originally wanted to say two best, but let's just say who, who's the best option out of these five? Yeah, I think as we kind of mentioned earlier, I think Mariota probably is the most intriguing skill set to fit within this offense. Um, and he, 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 when you look at him just from a skill set standpoint, you could see all the different traits that you really want in a quarterback. You can see a guy that's obviously mobile and athletic and can add to your running game, but, um, and can also obviously create off script when plays break down, but he, um, moves well in the pocket as well and and he can sit in the pocket and read defenses and, and see um, 
anticipate throws and, and kind of he's very good at manipulating underneath defenders with his eyes um, and, and creating throwing windows for himself. Um, and he's a pretty accurate passer as well. Um, so you see a lot of traits that you like with Mariota, but he doesn't always put it together. Um, and I think that was his issue towards the end of his time in Tennessee was he just, while he had the traits, you, you would see the inconsistency where the traits would sometimes uh, get overshadowed by some bad decisions or um, sometimes the receivers didn't help him out. Sometimes the play calling wasn't great. Um, and obviously he has to take some responsibility for that as well. So I, I think he's someone that if he could put those traits together, um, he could still become a, a pretty good NFL quarterback. So I, I would probably um, lean towards Mariota out of all those guys that we talked about Darnold's um, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, Cam Newton at this point, um, I think if they wanted Cam Newton, they could have gone and got him last year. Um, and and James Winston, for a team that needs to not turn over the ball to <laughs> to win games, um, and when we saw their process, their their the the way they won last year was not turning over the ball. Yeah, uh, and uh, for that, I, I don't think you want to call Jameis Winston as your starting quarterback because he's a good quarterback. Um, don't get me wrong. He, 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 between the years, he's very, very sharp, but um, he has these moments of madness and they happen far too often and they result in interceptions. So uh, I wouldn't be going down the Winston route personally. Yeah. And I'm with you hundred percent on that too, just because he had the turnovers, man. And everyone's like, Oh, he threw 33 touchdowns, but it's like, man, 30 interceptions. I don't think Von Rivera's, you know, he's going to deal with that for two months. No, I think certainly. I think I think if he throws three interceptions in practice, Ron Rivera is probably fed up with him. So <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a, a likely possibility. Yep. Uh, let's let's switch over to the defensive side of the football. Uh, in my opinion, their linebacker group, as well as yours, linebacker group along with safety play, uh, is kind of that's kind of like the main holes on the defense. Uh, more you know, free safety linebacker. I think that's kind of what's keeping this unit from becoming like quote unquote elite. Uh, I know you're a Matt Milano guy. Uh, I know you liked Marcus Williams' kind of play style and scheme fit, uh, but who else should they target this offseason as it pertains to, you know, both positions? Um, so I think this is another position, a uh, linebacker certainly position where um, I think we heard in Ron Rivera's press conference the other day that they could go back to Kevin Pierre-Lewis, um, but they're, they're looking for that kind of style of player. And, and that, for me, would be Matt Milano. He's kind of a, a will or a weak side linebacker, um, which is what Kevin Pierre-Lewis was um, in Washington last year. So um, he kind of more of a coverage guy. Um, that He's uh, undersized for a typical linebacker, but he's kind of the, the modern trend of linebacker being more around six foot, six foot two, kind of in that kind of range. And, and only 200 to 220 pounds, almost a safety size rather than a, a linebacker size. And so that's the kind of profile that I think they're looking for. And, and Milano with the, with the connection from Buffalo, um, Brandon Bean and um, Sean McDermott, the head coach there, they both came from Carolina under Herney and Rivera. So, um, they, they run a very similar defense, and I think that would just make a lot of sense. Um, whether they go after him, I don't know. Um, but for me, he's kind of would be top of the list of the of the will linebackers. Um, but obviously, they could look into the draft rather than for agency for that. Um, Marcus Williams, as you mentioned, is a guy I absolutely love at free safety. Um, uh, he he has the they're a team that switch quite a lot between 
single deep safety coverages, which would be your cover threes and then your, your cover ones, which is man coverage with one safety in the middle. Um, and they switch between that and uh, they play quite a lot of quarters coverage, um, which is two deep safeties and, and two outside corners drink, dropping back to split the deep part of the field into four. Um, and, and Marcus Williams, most safeties, most free safeties are either or kind of guys. They either play um, in two deep coverages or they play in the middle of the field. You don't get guys, too many guys that flip between them. And Marcus Williams flips between them pretty well. So um, he would have been a perfect fit. Uh, they could look at someone, uh, another reclamation kind of project um, in uh, Malik Hooker, because um, he was a fantastic safety coming out of Ohio yeah. State, but he's dealt with so many injuries and um, they've just been piling up uh, yeah. and you, you just wonder how much he actually has left to offer. Um, but he would be, in terms of talent, uh, certainly the most talented that would be out there in terms of talent he he had coming out of college um, whether he still has the athletic ability with all those injuries I'm, I'm not sure um, but he'd be one that you could potentially look at um, and, and if not they could always fall back on a guy that Ron, Ron Rivera has fallen back on a lot of times which would be Trey Boston Trey Boston um, <laughs> the uh, he yeah he, he kind of fits that exact same profile um, I'm not as comfortable with him as, as someone like Marcus Williams. Um, when they play quarters, the the safeties have to be able to get up to the line of scrimmage quickly against the run um, and, and fill on the edge. And Marcus Williams is fantastic at that in New Orleans, whereas Trey Boston is not the best tackler. Um, so I wouldn't be too comfortable with him in, in quarters regularly, but if they're going to play cover three some more, um, Boston has good range um, and he understands how to play the post. So that's that's probably uh, a, a nice cheaper option for them to fall back on if, if they swing at someone and miss um, or they, they don't really like any of the other options. That's probably something they can fall back on. Yeah, and I, I agree. I know, what, I know exactly what you mean, especially like a Trey Boston, who I'm obviously he's a better athlete than I ever will be, but his <laughs> missed tackle percentage, I believe, was in, the, it was in the mid to late teens. It's been like that, I think, for his entire career. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's like you said in coverage. I'm sure it's going to be. It'll be fine. Uh, but for whenever you need him to play the run, I don't think that's going to that's going to be a, a good option there. Nope. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I, Marcus Williams would have been great. I know a lot of people blow up the timeline every time he's mentioned. They bring up that one missed tackle against the Vikings. Uh, just so happened to be you know one of the biggest plays in NFL history. But yeah, one play. You know what I mean? Like who cares? Yep. Uh, I do like the Malik Hooker. Um, I do like the Malik Hooker. Um, topic though because yeah he is a he is a very talented guy and his injuries have been brutal i mean i believe it was an achilles and acl like he's had a lot of very bad injuries yeah for uh, sure but if, but if they could tap into that potential they they're, they're going to be in a good spot uh let's end our free agent portion of the show with you know the the quote the brandon sheriff talk uh, he's a homegrown talent a team captain and uh, an, all, an all pro uh due to health and cost many can uh, many question whether or not washington should resign him uh, what do you think they should do with Brandon Sheriff this offseason? Do you think they should keep him on the tag, try to extend him, or try to move off of him? Yeah, I would try to extend him. Um, I, I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, I, I think he's one of the best right guards in the league. Um, as you say, it's, he's kind of a homegrown talent as they drafted and developed him. Um, and um, the injury concerns obviously are there because um, he has missed a fair number of games. But um, the he's played through a lot of 
things as well. Um, and he's shown some toughness and the injuries that have held him out have been kind of rare one-off ones where it's like a, a torn pec or a torn bicep or something like that. Like they're random injuries. It's not like it's a repetitive um, muscle injury that he tweaks a hamstring every other week. It's not like that kind of thing. So um, I, I, I'm not too concerned about the injuries. And for me, he's just someone that I would want to keep around. Um, you, you, you kind of, when you're starting in uh, uh, your franchise and, and you've got Ron Rivera and Herney and everyone just coming in, you want to lay down a, a marker to your team and say, look, if you play well, you do what we ask of you, you're going to be rewarded. And Brandon Sheriff played as well as anyone last year um, and deserves to be rewarded for it. Um, and so for me, I understand that the franchise tag has now potentially made things more difficult because the floor of signing him was looking at sort of like 15, 16 million a year. And, and now he's getting 18 million on the franchise tag. Um, which is miles ahead of any other guard in the league. But uh, I think in two or three years' time, assuming he manages to stay healthy, which is a big assumption, um, you're, you're looking at a contract that looks absolutely fine and nobody thinks about it because the cap's going to go up and up with the new TV deals kicking in in a few years' time. Oh, yeah. And once, you know, God willing, you know, we get the vaccine out, everyone's getting vaccinated. Uh, hopefully, you know what I mean? The state, yep. the fans are back. Man, the, the cap's gonna jump. It's it's at 182, and it's it's like a down year for the cap. And no time it's gonna be up in the in the in the mid 200s. So I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. only a matter of time. Uh, but let's close out the you know let's close up the show with some NFL draft talk. Um, NFL drafts talk and mock drafts, uh, player breakdowns are at an all time high. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about the NFL draft with you because you're a big Kadarius Tony guy. It seems you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, coming in hot. You know, the NFL drafts a month away. The football team holds the 19th overall pick. I've seen you write about Ohio State's Justin Fields and Florida's Kadarius Toney. Uh, but what player do you feel is the best pick for this team at 19? Yeah, I've only preliminary got into draft stuff. Um, as you say, Tony, and uh, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be there. Um, I, I've watched Christian Darasaw, um, but I haven't got through all the kind of linebackers and any potential defensive backs that they might look at. Um, and there's plenty of other wide receivers that could be in the mix there as well. But certainly um, from guys I've watched, I, I absolutely love Kadarius Tony, um, and uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting to, um, but the versatility that he offers um, along with, I think people will mistakenly kind of typecast him as a gadget type player where he can only, you know, take the jet sweeps and the end arounds and reverses and screens and short stuff underneath and those kind of things. He's a very good technical receiver. He, he, route, he runs his routes very well. Um, his obviously his athleticism helps him in and out of breaks real, real well, but um, he, he sets up routes very well. He understands leverage of defenders and, and how to, you know, widen his path on his route to, force a defender out wide to then open up a space inside to cut back inside. He, he understands leverage and how to attack it. Um, and that for me was incredibly impressive. And, and it made me wonder whether he played in the slot almost exclusively at, at Florida. I, I wondered whether with that kind of ability and skill set, if he could play the Z and, and sit outside. Um, but even if he could only play in the slot, I think he'd be incredibly, incredibly productive. Um, 
Darisol was the other main guy that I've watched so far. And as you said, he's, he's already a very good run blocker. Um, he's a very athletic lineman. Um, and he makes some very, very tough blocks in, in zone scheme runs that make, he makes those look very, very easy. And they are extremely difficult. <laughs> he, he can reach some blocks where he's the left tackle and he's got to get across to a defensive tackle that's lined up. In, either inside the guard or head over the guard. Um, and, and that's not an easy thing for a tackle to do. It's not an easy thing for anyone to do. Yeah. Um, and he, um, in the games that I watched, he consistently managed to not only reach the guy, but get across his face, cut him off and, and seal him off on the backside of runs. And that created huge running lanes. Um, I've, I've seen him be quite powerful as well. Um, when he pulls to the edge, he can really bulldoze, bulldoze guys over. He can drive guys back. Um, and he's got the athleticism not just to reach guys and cut guys off, but he can move up to the second level, or I even saw him get up to the third level and block a safety. Um, so he can he can make all the kind of blocks that you'd want in a in a zone scheme offense. And and this team really found a groove in the run game when they they kind of focused more on zone once um, Sheriff was back healthy and, and Schweitzer took over at left guard. That those guys are quite athletic as well, um, and, and that kind of suited the zone style and they were getting a lot of movement and, and opening a lot of running lanes. And I think Darius will help with that. Um, he does have some issues in pass protection. His, his hands need work. He, he doesn't always have the best hand placement, um, but that is something that can be said of a lot of young tackles. Um, and he has the raw athletic tools to be a very, very good left tackle, both in pass pro and running um, run blocking. So He's someone that I would certainly look into and, and strongly consider at, at 19. Um, I, I'd need to look at the kind of linebackers and, and other receivers and, and maybe some safeties or something that might be in that kind of range as well to say, I definitely would want this guy over that. But um, Darisol would certainly be right up on my list of, of guys I'd look at at 19. That, that's music to my ears, man. That's like that's like Roddy <laughs> Rich right now. Roddy Rich is playing in my ears, man. Just great stuff. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, now I like I like Kadarius Tony a little bit as well. Another guy that's kind of similar to him that I'm a big fan of is uh, Rondell Moore. Even though injuries has you know really really taken a lot of uh, his you know collegiate career his last two seasons, man, his freshman year was amazing. Uh, but yeah, you know guys like that, guys who just are dynamic, they're versatile. Uh, Washington was a really bad team when it comes to like how should I say it? it's like basically big time plays. I would essentially say pass sure. pass plays that are you know 20 plus yards and stuff like that. This team was not very good at all. Uh, so they just need some some versatility, a, a dynamic playmaker. They just need a guy who can just make plays. Uh, and that's – I feel like a guy like Tony would be great as well. Uh, yeah. So there's real talent and value later in this class as well. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, an extremely deep wideout class to the plethora of day one tackles that will be available. You know, the wideouts, you, even if, if an opportunity be, uh, presented itself, they could trade it for Justin Fields. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just real talent in here. Um what position do you feel is most important for Washington to address in the draft? Yeah, well, a lot of that will depend on free agency and it will depend on um, who's available uh, because you, you don't want to go into a draft going, we need a left tackle. So we're just going to take the first, le- the best left tackle available because that might not, you could be passing on a, big, a much better graded defensive tackle or wide receiver or linebacker or whatever um you, you could be reaching for a guy that you don't think is a first round talent but because you need one 
you reach for him and that's where you get make mistakes in the draft. So um, need certainly plays into what you do in the draft. It, it's not a case of you only go for the best player available always. Um, obviously, like if you have uh, a Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to go ahead and <laughs> draft uh, Justin Fields, you know, but um, it, it, to, so there is some consideration of need, but, um, and if, if you have grades on players that are similar, if, if you think Darasol, if he's there is similar to uh, a, a defensive tackle and you've got them both graded similarly, you, you'd go, well, we need a left tackle, obviously a lot more than a defensive tackle. So we'll take him. Um, but um, otherwise you don't really want to be reaching for need. You kind of want to take more of a best player available pro- approach. So um I certainly think, as, as we kind of mentioned earlier, that you're not going to find a great left tackle in free agency. Um, so uh, unless they wanted to kind of try to rekindle things with Trent Williams, but I, I don't see that being an option. So uh, I think you, left tackle would certainly be high on the list of things I'd be looking at at 19. Um, in an ideal situation, the best left tackle in the draft is there and you can take them. Um, so I think left tackle would be up on the on the list, as would probably a wide receiver. Yeah, and, and I agree as well. Uh, just because left tackle and, and just in general, like I agree with the with the approach because, like I was mentioning, you they gave some Washington fans were giving me some stuff too because I was like, hey, nineteen Darius there, let's do it. And people were like, oh, Sadiq Charles, oh, Cornelius Lucas, you know this, that, and third. And like I said, I agree with that. But when it comes to a talent like Darius, I just feel like that's the best player you can take available. He's someone that's a day one contributor. And someone who can really be like, if all things, you know, work out well, which, you know, you kind of have to think like, hey, if his ceiling hits, you have a cornerstone left tackle for eight to 10 seasons. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and 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 that's most important. You know what I mean? So uh, let's transition towards quarterbacks and more specifically, Justin Fields. I only got two more questions for you. So <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, you know, from your perspective, you've noted the physical gifts of Justin Fields, but ultimately you believe that he'll need to be given some time to develop. Many in the draft community believe Fields will slide in the draft and Washington is surprisingly a prime traded up candidate for Fields. Uh, hypothetically, right? If you were Washington, uh, would you make a deal in order to move up to select Fields like if he falls to seven or, or, or 10 or 11? Uh, and if you would trade for Fields, would you bring in another veteran to give Fields some much needed time to develop? Uh, I, I probably wouldn't be looking to add a veteran for any kind of rookie quarterback that I'd be drafting um I I think you kind of want an either or situation either you go with a veteran um and that's your third kind of quarterback obviously they've got Heineke and Allen under contract um and so you either want a veteran that's going to be better than them or obviously you want a rookie that's going to be better than them but if the rookie's not ready to play, then you're happy to go with those two until the rookie's ready to play. So I probably wouldn't bring in a veteran with a rookie. I would probably do either or. Um, in terms of Justin Fields specifically, I, I like Justin Fields. Um, I, I think I'm not probably not as high as him on him as a lot of the draft kind of Twitter community is. Um, I see some issues with um, some some footwork stuff um it's not a huge issue but there can be issues with in terms of his dropbacks and stuff which can be fixed but take some time to fix um i see a guy that almost tries 
too hard to stay in the pocket when he has the mobility to get out of the pocket and, and move. Um, and I think that probably stems from the kind of having the mobile quarterback tag and, and trying to prove people wrong that he can play from the pocket and he can play from the pocket. He's great in the pocket. And um, when he's given time um, and when and he, he can even buy himself time, as I said, but he doesn't do it often enough. Um, he can work through progressions. I, I don't buy the, he's a one read quarterback narrative. He's certainly not that. Um, but my issue is him keeping himself protected um, from when I watched him, there was quite a few different teams that threw different blitz schemes at him. And it's tough to say because certain teams put more on the quarterback, certain teams put more on the center, certain teams leave it all to the coaching staff to kind of get the team up to the line of scrimmage and then make their calls based on what the defense is looking like. Um, so it's hard to say exactly how much he's at fault for, but he very rarely did he see multiple blitzers coming or know, understand that, Hey, I've got two guys coming off this side, my line sliding the other way. I need to be throwing hot or I have to account for this extra Russia that I can't block. Um, and those kind of details are kind of things that in college, you can be good enough to get away with just from the talent around you in the NFL um, you're going to get hit a lot. And I, I don't think he's someone that I would want to, because of his talent, he can be very, very good, but I wouldn't want to expose him too early to taking those kind of hits. I, I, he's someone that I would want to get in the building and, and instantly work on protections. He, he's, I, I would, I would spend the first week of training camp just focusing on protections and being like, so quizzing him every day, hey, if we get this kind of blitz, if you get this rusher from this side, what are you doing? Um, where's your hot read? Where's um, Who are you responsible for? Who's the offensive line responsible for? And that kind of thing. Um, so that's what worries me about him. But um, in terms of his overall talent, he's, he's a fantastic player. Um, and he's someone that had Washington still had a, the Shanahan kind of tree in in Washington with uh, either a Carl Shanahan or Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur or any of those kind of guys. He's someone that I would, would absolutely go and get because I think he's a perfect fit for that kind of system that um, allows guys to roll out um, on bootlegs and play action and that kind of thing. He's so good throwing on the run that I would be looking to get him on bootlegs and sprint, uh, um, sprint options and, and, rollouts and, and move the pocket around and, and let him throw on the run because he excels in that. And that's very, very hard to defend. Um, so I, I think he's probably a better fit in that kind of system than necessarily he would be in Washington. Um, but if, you know, Scott Turner says, no, this is the guy I absolutely love. He fits perfectly. Then I have no, no issues whatsoever with the team being aggressive to go and get a quarterback they love. Yeah, and, and I will say, like, I'm, I'm a Fields guy um, personally. I'm not saying he's going to be, he's you know, Russell Wilson or anything like that. But what I am saying is, you know, I've done, a, uh, I've done, I've written an article where I ranked basically like my top five quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence. Sure. And uh, he was number one, you know, just because I love the accuracy, you know, 80, 80 point, I believe it was 80.8, uh, you know, NFL adjusted completion percentage, passer rating through the roof. Uh, but I did see the issues you're talking about as well. Um, I think a lot of people with the one read stuff, I think that's um, respectfully, it's just, it's ignorant when people say that. I think it's very ignorant. Yep. Um, yep. I agree. But I think uh, 
you know what I mean? He does have things he needs to work on. Uh, he might need to, you know, sit a little bit, but all in all, he's just, he's extremely talented. Uh, I normally don't like to touch on like the quote unquote leadership uh, stuff because we're not there in the locker room, but when sure. you have guys like Urban Meyer and Ryan Day vouching about his leadership ability when they weren't doing that about Dwayne, or at least Urban wasn't, uh, that means something to me personally. So I'm a fields guy. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely someone who thinks like, Hey, if Washington's there and he's at seven or eight, if they have to go up this year's first and next year's first, and you know, it somehow happens, uh, I'd be okay with it just because I, I am a believer in him. Uh, but with that said, we got, I got the last question for you, man. I got the last one. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm, this is, you know, the ultimate barbershop talk question. Do they have barbershops in, in UK? Like, do y'all yeah. call it the barbershop and everything yeah, like that? Or? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So this is the ultimate like barbershop talk question. Uh, we've talked, you know, about the Washington football team in its entirety uh, from the state of the team, you know, straight and talk, the NFL draft, but let's close with this. In 2021, if Washington address, addresses its biggest needs this offseason and in the draft, right, they get, you know, an upgrade to left tackle. They get, you know, a quarterback, a, a, a competent quarterback. How high is the ceiling uh, for the Washington football team in 2021? Yeah, I think it all depends on that quarterback, really. Um, I, I think in the division that they're in, um, I think Dallas could bounce back given Dak Prescott has been re-signed um, and I think he can carry that team a lot, but they have a lot of holes to fill on defense. Um, but it, Dak is very, very good and I rate him very highly. So I, I think they could be a problem for teams. I think the Eagles will be rebuilding um, and the Giants, I, they always seem to somehow beat Washington, but I, I never, <laughs> I'm never too concerned about them. They, they I never feel like they're going to really challenge for the division. So I, I think they can certainly challenge for their division. Um, I, I, I could see them. I could certainly see a scenario because they're playing a first place schedule rather than a third or fourth place schedule. I could certainly see a scenario where the actual team overall is better. Um, and we see improvement from them, but they end up with a worse record because they're playing a lot better teams. Um, I think their ceiling would be winning the division um, and getting into the playoffs again, but I, I don't see them doing damage in the playoffs until they find their real franchise quarterback. Uh, and I don't see them doing that this offseason, barring a sudden huge trade, as you say, a trade up for a, a, a Justin Fields or whoever. Um, or if Deshaun Watson suddenly becomes available and they go all in on that or Russell Wilson or whatever, um, without that solution at quarterback that you know that they're all in on, um, I, I think for me, the ceiling is a team that can improve to a very good team, but won't be able to do real damage in the playoffs until um, they get the quarterback. Yeah, man, I think Washington, you know, all things considered, hypothetically, you know, if, if they get, a, you know, that competent quarterback, they get a left tackle, maybe they add another receiver or two. Uh, the schedule is definitely going to be a huge factor because I believe they're playing like teams like the Chiefs, uh, which it's always, I mean, you just got to look at it as a loss, man. <laughs> you're, playing, you're playing Patty Mahomes, man. I mean, they're not going to, of course, but, you know, as a, you know, writer or a fan, you know, you're going to be like, oh, man, it's going to be a That's tough a week. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough week. But, yeah, the first place schedule is definitely going to, you know, play a factor. But I think Washington can definitely make some noise if they hit, you know, anything better than they were last year. If they won eight games, nine games, I think it's a positive. I, I mean, obviously you have to see how the games play out, but if they're, you know, a, a competitive team and, hey, the first place schedule got them and they went nine and seven or eight and eight. Hey, just chalk it up. It was a good year. You know, this team still got some holes and let's get it back in 2022. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for this team, but that's all I got for you, my man. 
uh, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me today. Uh, Mark Bullock, you're a guy that I admire, like I mentioned in the intro. I love the, the work you do, and I'm very honored and I'm blessed that you joined me today. Uh, go ahead and let the, you know, the listeners know about everything you got going on, your social media handles and all that other good stuff. Yeah, well, uh, social media-wise, it's uh, just Twitter. It's at Mark Bullock NFL, um, and uh, you can you can read my work on my Substack page, um, which is markbullock.substack.com, um, and I'll be writing throughout free agency in the draft um, with breakdowns of players that they they sign or they draft or they're rumored to target and that kind of thing. I'll, I'll be uh, covering all those names and a lot of the names covered I've already written about um, and. At the moment, most of it is free and available to read without any kind of sub- subscription. Um, so, uh, yeah, check it out there. Alrighty, Mark Bullock and all the listeners, thank you all for joining today. This is Dame's Dropback, Episode 2. Be sure to leave a rating. Follow me on Twitter at D.A. Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. Follow the Twitter at Dame Dropback, at D-A-M-E, Dropback, D-R-O-P-B-A-C-K. Go ahead and show me some love, and we're out. Peace. Money. Train me this. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh.